My shoes are too tight. Excuse me? Something my father said. He was old. Very old at the time. I went into his room and he was sitting alone in the dark, crying. So I asked him what was wrong. And he said, my shoes are too tight, but it doesn't matter because I have forgotten how to dance. I never understood what that meant until now. My shoes are too tight. And I have forgotten how to dance. Human hate criminals. An outrage. Terrorize the aliens. There will be bloody retribution. Unless they're stopped, it could mean... Mass assassination. On the next Babylon 5. You have transmissions holding. Patch incoming signal. Full audio and video decode. Purple files accessed. What you are about to see has never been shown to anyone outside the break house. there in podcast land welcome to gray 17 a babylon 5 podcast a part of the front row network and npr illinois community voices we are here to discuss episode seven of season one the war prayer uh, we have with us newbies who are watching this for the first time as long as well as long-term fans uh we are going to spend our first part of this conversation with the newbies talking about this episode and this episode alone so you don't have to worry about spoilers for what's to come but then after we're done talking with them, we will jettison them and go into Beyond the Rim, where we will talk spoilers about this episode and what is to come in the remaining four and a half seasons. I'm Scott, and with me, as always, is... Kevin. I'm Justin. Jesse. Emily. John. Andrew. And Mike. You know, I love the fact that some of you are, like, really peppy and excited all the time, like, I'm Justin. I'm John. And then it's like Jesse is here, be held be against her will. Like I'm Jesse, <laughs> I'm just here, and I'm Mister Garibaldi. You're lucky, Mister Garibaldi. Just Jesse, okay. Just, just Jesse from the block. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> okay, so let's talk war prayer. Our first impressions, and we will go with uh, John first. Well, the show had two things. Okay, the first is. There was a decent amount of Lando, or Lando, I'm sorry. So I was, I was pretty pumped for that. And that was about it. The rest of this episode was not great. I did, was not a fan. Again, public enemy number one, Ivanova, seemed to be a, a little bit more of a focus, which immediately made me hate it. Um, they tried to in another love story with zero chemistry. Uh, I don't know. I, you know it, it feels odd to just completely shit talk show that you're i guess theoretically supposed to be interested enough in that you're dedicating time to watch and record a podcast about but you know at this point i i just i don't know it's a there's a lot left so um 
hopefully there'll be something in there. But this one was not uh, was not a good one. Not you know, I'm a- I'm actually happy this is the case because it shows that we actually truly have people who have never experienced the show before. Because if we all came in here and started, you know, singing its praises, uh, it would be kind of a boring conversation. But you guys are experiencing it like somebody would be experiencing it all the way back in 1994 or 1993. And uh, some people liked it and some people didn't. So I'm hoping beyond hope that you get something to grasp onto here. I think you will. And again, season one is a slow burn. I think you'll find some stuff you like. And if not, you know what? Two and a half years, you can be done. It's going to be great. Well, it is nice. I will say uh, we got yet another cameo that uh, I was blown back by. And I was like, oh, man, first we had a lot of vagina and now we've got Winnie Cooper. So, if it's, I mean, this show could suck as long as I keep throwing in 80s and 90s um, stars. Uh, at least to keep me entertained. It is well known, my love for uh, Miss Danik. Let's go to Nicole next. So I actually kind of like this episode. I thought it was a little... Um heavier than some of the previous ones if that makes sense um with more of a kind of a dark tone to it um and it i don't know i thought it was good i thought it was executed well um i liked that it was kind of a juxtaposition between like you know this dark heavy racial you know i don't really know how to or like elitist against alien kind of storyline yeah xenophobia there you go i couldn't think of the word and then on this side there's the two kids that are in love that escaped and asked for help so it's like kind of a cool juxtaposition how one side is kind of dark and in eerie and, and so negative and deep and then the other side was like a light like love like londo kind of comes back around to love a little bit and i don't know i just thought it was a really cool kind of juxtaposition between the two and also like it kind of broke up that Ooh man, this is like, you know, a little, a little heavy. And then there was like those moments of lightness throughout it. So just something that I picked up on uh, a lot of great lines and quotes I wrote down from this, which we can get into later. Um, but overall, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I thought I was really into it when I was watching it. I was like, okay, I need to like, I was like writing notes and just really focused. So there was just a lot going on. I can just see Nicole gradually inching closer to her TV <laughs> <Yeah>. screen. <laughs> what's gonna happen next pretty much who's gonna be branded next well and that's kind of how i felt i'm like oh my gosh what's gonna happen next like i was really into it um i don't know if i just had too much coffee or what (laughs) mike how about you i uh i thought this overall was a not my favorite episode um as nicole mentioned i feel like she kind of hit it on the head it's a very heavy episode in terms of its kind of overall three theme of of tension between not race but humans and aliens uh obvious mirror to you know racial tension um and kind of depressing that i felt like it was very relatable today (laughs) i mean you have the one guy in a in the jail cell saying put earth first it's kind of hard to not hear things america first echo in your ears at the same time uh which is crazy because it's what uh at least 20 years difference (laughs) between when this was recorded uh i would say it it, it was it was definitely an engaging episode it definitely had a lot of foreboding uh and a lot of foreshadowing about kind of what's going on the things we've kind of picked up on already and where things are going um so not a fun episode unfortunately um i did like the secondary kind of b story with uh, lando i thought that was kind of a very sweet uh storyline even though it kind of felt 
almost out of order with I forgot what the name of the episode was. Mistress Born, Born to the Purple. purple. Born to the Purple. Um, I, it was. It, it almost felt like it. This should have come first <laughs> in in that department, anyway. But yeah, I mean, overall, you know, it was. I wouldn't say bad. Just you know, heavy, heavy, and not fun. <laughs> Well, you know, we had our conversation with Ryan last week about the Nazi symbolism that is Psychor, and now we have the jingoism and the xeno, uh, xenophobia in this episode. So we're definitely going to have that conversation, and uh, it's it's going to be a little bit of a not fun conversation. But yep, I think it's uh, something that's going to come up. Let's go to Emily next. Kosh was back. And I had kind of forgotten he had existed, so that was a nice little refresher of, hey, this character is still around. Um, I'm not sure what to think about that, because they don't really seem interested in being a part of anything. But it was just kind of nice to be reminded that they're still around. <laughs> um, and Delin was back, and that was a really interesting conversation with her friends, and the discussion about choices and what she gave up. So now I'm really interested in what she gave up to be on Babylon 5. So you were still a big Delenophile, right? Yeah. And I, the xenophobia happens in like every sci-fi show because you have, in some ways you have to have it because it's going to come up. You can't not have it. So I was a little more focused on some of the other aspects of this episode. I will say uh, Blake's not here with us tonight because he had a prior engagement, but Blake is usually the guy that says the difference between most sci-fi and B5. And I think you're going to see this and this is not a spoiler, but you know um, where Star Trek may hit on xenophobia. The next episode, we're still cruising through the, the galaxy with Babylon five. This is going to come back. Um, And so I think that's where you're going to see a difference when we get there. Let's go to Andrew. Yeah, I also uh, really like this episode. Uh, definitely uh, thought like like if you missed the uh, the previous episodes, uh, xenophobia uh, allegories, it def- you're definitely going to notice it here. Um, yeah, I can't really think of anything else that's not already been said. Cool, Kevin, go ahead. I really okay. enjoy this episode. Uh, it's it's written by DC Fontana, who's a celebrated star trek writer and among other things um but i i really like the the londo stuff in particular in this episode i think it really gives some some extra character development on you know his his marriages his views on love his views on duty uh gives you some more information on uh centauri culture um it it certainly gives you a window into into delan a little bit it gives you a window into the growing xenophobia back on earth uh i i really enjoy this episode i think it's uh i think it's one of the most interesting thus far as far as uh uh world building justin make earth great again right i guess kind of mm-hmm. overall the episode was actually pretty interesting to me and not only the xenophobic aspect which is something that i've harped on a lot it you know throughout this series i don't really trust the earth government you know the fact that the home guard you know prides themselves on eliminating all aliens and everything like that and just going back through a lot of like the political stuff that we've encountered over the course of these first few episodes sinclair and other people in the earth alliance are very you know, tolerant and stuff like that. But then you have a lot of people within 
you know, maybe the Earth government and even where they say in the episode, we have friends everywhere. How far does this go? How far does the xenophobia go within this? So, and then, you know, in terms of like Londo, I think, I think that story was actually a really great one. I love the fact that the shoes, you know, the shoes are too tight. The shoes are too tight and I can't dance anymore. You know, I don't know how to love, so I cannot love. But it was, it was a pretty interesting episode. My shoes are too tight, but I have forgotten how to dance. Yeah. Yeah. Which is Londo, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, yeah. throughout every episode we've seen of him, he is, and I think, John, this is potentially why you like him so much usually, is he is the outgoing, uh, boisterous, fun guy. But every time we see him, his culture gets in the way. Every single time. We saw that in this episode. We saw that in Born to Purple. We saw that at Midnight. I mean, uh, it's it's kind of his thing. He is being held back by his too tight of shoes. I think it really represents, you know, his thoughts on loss of youth and optimism and his uh, trappings of adulthood and duty. I, I really enjoy that that interaction with with Veer. I think it I think it more than anything else thus far. With the the mild exception of Born to Purple, really talks about his character. Yeah, I was going to add to that. Like, I feel like his um, fear of of not being perfect in people's images and like you know what he portrays kind of stops him from authentically being himself. You know, it, it prevents him from being Lando. You know, the image like he wants to look a certain way. He wants people to feel a certain way about him and think a certain way about him. And he sometimes will put that over who he is. Uh, that's something I've noticed with him throughout the uh, show so far a lot. I mean, we saw it image wise when Veer is getting him dressed, putting on his purple jacket, making sure it's all straight and buttoned. He's just, I'm going to the casino. Okay. Jesse, first impressions. I am starting to wonder if me and Keneally are watching a different show than everybody else, because I, I literally had the thought today of maybe sci-fi just isn't, and, and I'm sticking it out. I've got two and a half more years. I'm here for the long haul and I will continue to be the voice of disdain every time we watch an episode, but I just don't enjoy the show yet. So I don't enjoy how it relates to today. Still 20 some years later. Um, it makes me sad for because I'm watching it and I'm like, Oh look, it's humans being humans, like normal. And so, um, I, I don't know. I'm just struggling through it and, um, we'll get there. Yeah. I, so when, I, when I, I hear you guys talk about, Oh, I like this episode and Oh, I really like this line. I like this other stuff. I go, what other shows or pop culture stuff are you liking and watching? Because I got to know where your taste is because thus far questionable, you're all sketchy at the moment. Sketchy. Let, let's do this. Let's do this. Cause I think this is good to get to know everybody as well too. Now that we're, you know, in episode eight, let's do it now. Everyone will go around the horn. What are your two favorite shows of all time? And what is the show you're watching right now? That is your favorite you're watching that is currently being aired for the first time. Justin. Uh, my two favorite shows of all time are probably um, Star Trek, the next generation and Battlestar Galactica. And the, but the best show I'm watching right now is Resident Alien. I hear that's good. I haven't watched it. I am a huge fan of Alan Tudyuk anyway. Yes. And that show is that is so freaking brilliant show. Kevin. Highly recommend. Kevin, how about you? Uh, Stargate SG-1 and DS9. 
Um, and right now I think, uh, strange new worlds is my favorite new show. Although I, I really got to give a, a shout out to, um, what's the Seth MacFarlane show? I'm drawing a blank. The Orville. Orville. Orville new horizons. Thank you. Uh, I've never watched Orville. I love I that, that show that. too. You are missing out. It's amazing. It's really the, the Orville is the best Star Trek show. That's not a Star Trek show. But John and Jesse, as you've noticed, everything they've freaking said so far is sci-fi. Jesse, how about you? Um, I So True Blood, you guys have heard me talk about this before. Um, and probably like a Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, something that I watched growing up. Um, my favorite show that I just got done with season four is Stranger Things. Um, nice. I just finished watching that and I loved every bit of it. It took me a couple episodes to get into it, but it didn't take me a whole season to get into it. Well, it doesn't help that the episodes are feature length every episode in season four. <laughs> My goodness, Netflix. I haven't watched the new, se- I haven't watched any of the new season yet. So tell me nothing. I won't, it's but long, it's so good. But it's good. Emily, how about you? Um, so one of my all time favorite shows is Golden Girls. Um, currently the Orville. I love the Orville and um, Only Murders in the Building. It's amazing. Is that in season two yet? A great show. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's in season two now, yeah. It's it's good. I love Martin Short and Steve Martin together. And he just announced it's probably going to be his last major work. Steve Steve Martin said he's going to walk away at, from acting. After. He's got enough royalties to be fun. He's got that jerk money. Mike? <laughs> he's got that jerk money. Mike? <laughs> god i i've been sitting here like almost panicking trying to think of my answer um did you have like 70 different ones you can throw out there? i mean it, trying trying to to name like out of all of the media you've consumed in your life what is the favorite thing you've ever watched i i'll, I'll mention firefly because it's practically a no-brainer and if anybody here hasn't seen fly or firefly you should it, it's actually a show that i even think is very approachable who are not necessarily but uh, I mean, I, just based on the sheer number of times I rewatched that series and Serenity, the movie, um, probably a number one favorite. As far as my second, I couldn't honestly tell you. I'll throw out that, um, you know, I really do enjoy a lot of comedy stuff, especially the kind of <laughs> the weirder, the better. So I've really enjoyed what we do in the shadows. It's a great um, show, too. I like it. And um, as far as a, a series that I really enjoy that I just finished watching, uh, The Umbrella Academy, I think is, has been uh, one of my favorites. It's something I, I really look forward to when the new season dropped. So. Andrew? Uh, probably my two favorites are uh, Friends and uh, Star Trek, the original series. Only reason I say that is because I haven't seen any of the other Star Trek shows. Um, but my favorite show that I like, uh, that I'm watching that's like current, kind of current, um, Ash versus Evil Dead. Everything about that show is just hilarious to me. I can, I spent way too many hours of our lives watching Evil Dead movies when we were in high school. Yes. And the series is pretty dang good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, he unleashes hell on earth because he got high and decided to read out of the Necronomicon. (laughs) I mean, Nicole. So I don't know if. I would say like my all-time favorites, but I guess the shows that I would pick that I watch over and over again that I always go back to are West Wing, Law and Order SVU, and Friends. Those are probably like my top three. And then I wouldn't say this is a favorite, but I'm currently binging Hometown on HGTV. Um, I'm kind of obsessed with the Discovery Plus 
like network. So like I watched all of Fixer Fabulous. I've watched all of Farmhouse Fixer. Now I'm watching Hometown just in time for Farmhouse Fixer to start again. So that's what I'm currently binging. Um, but I would say a favorite. I, I definitely also loved Stranger Things the last season, obviously. Um, I'm, and of course, like, you know, I love all the basic shows like Grey's and all those. So I, my shows are very all over the place. So you and my 12 year old daughter could talk discovery HGTV shows. I'm sure they're blue in the face. Well, and that'll be interesting this time next year when discovery plus and HBO max are completely merged. Like my two babes. Yeah. Unless they really screw up HBO max, which is quite possible. I really hope not. Which is going to make this show interesting. (laughs) It'll be interesting, like running around the local resale uh, shops trying to buy DVDs. I've got copies of the the DVDs. We'll figure it out. It's okay. I'm not buying a single thing related to this show. So unless I can come hang out with somebody and watch it at their house, I am out. Speaking of buying things related to this show, I am annoyed because I was I found an action figure of a character who has not arrived yet. So I will not say that person's name. But it was really cheap on eBay, like cheaper than it should be. So I bid on it and I won the bid. And then the guy realized it was cheaper than it should be. So he canceled the order. I'm bastard, bastard. <sighs> did you file a complaint with eBay? I did. Doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't no, matter. Not at all. It never will. <laughs> Mike, I'm sure you have many experiences with this. <laughs> Fuck eBay. Fuck eBay <laughs> so hard. <laughs> but I will get that person's action figure before we get to their episode. And I, I will play with it during our recording. This is news to me that they had a toy line. <laughs> dude, they did. They actually had a couple. Uh, they had a, like an Amiga line, you know, like the, the doll ones. But then they also had action figure five and a half inch, which is what I was going for. <laughs> and the one thing I would love to get, and those listening at home, if you can help me out with this, a Babylon 5 model is going for like 200 bucks on eBay. If anyone has any extra ones they want to throw our way. No kidding. Okay, John, how about you and TV shows? Well, let me just say this. This competition has been wildly enlightening and um, (laughs) has confirmed some things for me. So that's great. Um, I would say, so kind of the same thing though, uh, to Mike's point, I mean, there's so much good stuff that it does get hard because you pick a drama or a comedy. um, But uh, The Sopranos is always going to be number one for me. Um, I do rewatch that show at least once a year. I love it. Um, Same thing with The Wire, another great show. And, uh, you know, they just did uh, We Own the City, which is kind of a little sister show, if you will, which was which was fantastic. Um, but, you know, there's there's comedies they mentioned, you know, Friends and The Office and uh, The Good Place. And um, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. I probably watch that show at least an episode like uh, once a day. Uh, that's great. Um, and then in terms of stuff I'm watching currently, um, it's not currently on, but it ran this year. Severance. I really, really enjoyed that first season. Um, it's an H, uh, HBO, sorry. It's an Apple plus show. Um, that's got, uh, some really interesting ideas. I hope we'll see how it goes in season two and severance is amazing. Yeah. So I really enjoyed that. Um, and then unfortunately it's wrapping up with this last episode, but, uh, better call Saul is really good too. Um, and, uh, you know, breaking bad, obviously is amazing. Better call Saul might even be better. So see, I'm a cord cutter, so I haven't caught, uh, the next season of better call Saul yet. I pay for AMC streaming service so I can catch up wow. for me. I would. Uh, just to add to your assumptions about everybody, uh, I would say obviously Babylon 5 is one of my favorite shows, or I would not be doing this, but um, I would say Star Trek Deep Space Nine, which Emily has DS9 in her background, and I love it. Uh, and then West Wing, 
Nicole, I'm with you on that. I have West Wing's probably the show I've watched the most all the way through. Actually, somebody went out and recorded all the episodes into MP3 format back in the day. So I have listened to the West Wing several times as a radio play and it holds up. Just saying. <laughs> For uh, current shows, I'm going to cheat on Break My Own Rules. And I'm going to give you two. One, because I think it's already been mentioned, is Strange New Worlds. I think that is the best Star Trek since Deep Space Nine. And depending on if you are a fan of Deep Space Nine or not, it may be the best Star Trek ever. Uh, but then I will also say, because it just wrapped up this Friday, uh, For All Mankind, uh, season three just ended. And that show, I it is uh, it annoys me that I have to wait a year for season four to come out. Punks. Okay. Now we've had TV talk. Let's go back to the episode. One thing I want to hit on, we've already kind of talked about Lon. I do want to talk about home guard i want to talk about this conversation that you all have been having since the gathering justin specifically i think you have been really harping on earth alliance is as nicole would say shady uh as well as now we just heard about the psychor last week and now we've got home guard which home guard was actually mentioned uh in a newspaper article a few episodes back we mentioned that our beyond the rim portion but it's one of those you'll catch it next time you rewatch uh, that Home Guard has been a thing for a while. We just have heard about it for the first time, really, this episode. So I want to hear from you all about your thoughts and feelings on not only what's happening in the show, but as we've already kind of alluded to, how this connects with what we're dealing with right now. And I'll be perfectly honest for those listening. Um, these The folks on this show are friends. And we come from mostly, I think, the same political leaning. So deal with it and we'll go from there. So who wants to talk first? Justin. I mean, it's, yeah, it, this is something that I was, have been kind of following closely because, I mean, most of us, you know, being friends from college come from a very political background. So like, you know, that was something that I kind of picked up with early about how, you know, the Earth Alliance and even like the Psycor seems kind of Gestapo-ish. Um, and then now even dealing with like a lot of the xenophobic tones of the Home Guard, there's a reason why like the second or third episode of this series, they focused a lot of attention in this presidential election. But we really still haven't seen really a whole lot of, well, what has happened since the, okay, so the incumbent, so the incumbent president won re-election. We really haven't seen a whole lot of the, I guess, effects of that. And But then you have this growing Earth-first movement that, you know, is very familiar. Myself coming from a very, in early college days, a very conservative uh, background, and then kind of changing my a lot of my beliefs over time. You know, it's it still seems like there's still like I don't really trust a whole lot of what the Earth government is about. You know, the only people who have ever seen Ambassador Kosh all of a sudden get relocated to Earth and you never really hear from them again. And they're working directly with the president. And then now there's all of a sudden a lot of anti-alien animosity growing within humanity. The only real people who seem to still have a little bit of tolerance is the very few people of the Earth Alliance who are on this Babylon 5 station. You know, are they are they reminiscent of how a lot of the Earth Alliance is, or are they the exception? 
because they have exposure to all the alien cultures and everything like that. So it's still very much a thing. I still really don't trust a whole lot of what about Earth, about humanity at this point, because it still it still feels very reminiscent of how a lot of a certain political party here in the United States treats anyone who isn't male and white. And it just really grinds at me. And that's what I had to say about that. Nicole, go ahead. So Justin kind of touched on it. That was one thing I was going to write down was two things. Uh, Kosh was kind of studying uh, things on Earth and images on Earth. And Sinclair asked him about it and he didn't answer him basically. He wanted nothing to do with the other ambassadors. He didn't want to help at all. He was like, nah, you guys are on your own. And then shortly after that was Sinclair kind of piecing things together about how Dr. Kyle and Lita both got reassigned to Earth to work directly with the president who, um, you know, one of them scanned the Vorlon, one of them saw the Vorlon, which nobody else has done those things. And then kind of another thing I, I noticed too was when the jerkwad squad is what I'm calling them, uh, when Sinclair asked them where they got those suits, those camouflage black light suits, the shadow suits I was calling them, they said, we have friends, they're, you know, mock-ups or whatever, or like prototypes that Earth Alliance has created. So Sinclair's piecing together the fact that, you know, they're working with the president, then Earth Alliance is creating these shadow suits. So those two kind of things I thought maybe might've been affiliated. Also, Kosh studying Earth is Im- Earth's images, that could have been potentially related. Um, and then I just thought this was kind of a circular thing with those three things. I, I thought maybe this, and maybe this is more appropriate for a prediction, but I just kind of picked up on those things where there was, oh, we got these suits because they're being made. Well, why is Earth Alliance making those suits? And why are the two people who have seen and scanned the Vorlon working with the president? Um, and I did uh, also like it towards the end when um, Ivanova stood up for like the aliens or whatever, and she was like, they're more human than you or some other humans I've seen. So I, Justin kind of said, is this the, you know, the people on Babylon 5 are a little bit more tolerant? Is that the norm or are they the exception? But I feel like most normal upstanding people kind of feel like Ivanova there when she said they're more human than you, you know? Um, So it's kind of another thing to kind of think about. Like, I think when you said that, Justin, that really made me think like, oh, is it true? Are they the exception? Is that how most people feel? Are most people haters? So it's, I think all those things are related. Um, maybe I'm totally wrong, but I just picked up on all those little things that kind of happened throughout the episode that all seem to be related. You know, I I think both of you make a good point on that. The one thing I will say, and I alluded to it already, is we've heard Home Guard before. You just may have not noticed it yet. Uh, that newspaper article that was uh, shown in another episode just briefly was that a member of the Home Guard or a leader of the Home Guard was arrested. So if you go back and watch, you will see that Home Guard is being dealt with on Earth, much like it's being dealt with on Babylon 5. So I think based on what we've seen, I would argue that it's not just B5 folks who are having this issue. I think this is an issue you always have. You're always going to have, and I love how Sinclair puts it, the fear mongers, or the fear, he didn't say mongers, what do you say? The fear, whatever. You always have that. And a lot of time they get to have the loudest because they're saying things that are so controversial and so amplified, especially in our times now with social media, which they didn't have back in the 90s. But they 
are the ones you hear the most from. So they start to deafen out the majority of us who aren't assholes. Justin, you also mentioned the Vorlons and how we had uh, the Vorlon issue uh, with the gathering and Dr. Uh, Ben being sent back uh, home. That was brought up in this episode. And it was brought up, one of the points that we made during the gathering is, how does Kosh get poisoned through the encounter suit? And we don't have an answer for that. I will say, though, uh, behind the scenes piece, that actually was lifted. That scene where Sinclair's talking about uh, uh, Kosh was lifted from Parliament of Dreams because they were three minutes over. And it was inserted into this one because they were three minutes short of an episode, which is why it probably feels like this was out of the blue. Like, why are we talking about Kosh randomly? It's because we had to fill some time and we had a little bit of overtime when it was up during with Paul, Parliament of Dreams. Well, but honestly, it but then again, to me, as as random as it came in, it it makes sense to me for the episode, because like you have, you know, he comes in and Kosh is studying Earth culture and he refuses to tell Sinclair why he is studying Earth. Like, I, I imagine two sides preparing for war, which, which you have the Earth Alliance on one side with their very Xeno, let's just say Earth as general, a very xenophobic kind of mentality about everything. And then you have the Valorn, and I, I see a future clash there. Justin, and of say, course, it with, say it with me, Justin, the Vorlon. The Vorlon. There you go. You got it. There, there, there's to me the the breeding of a future war. There, I, I'm still fascinated. Even when I just said that Earth Alliance is a resting home card back on Earth, that you still think Earth Alliance is the anti-alien as like, a that's whole. Interesting to me. That's, okay. I, I, I honestly think that like the people on Babylon Five may be very tolerant, but I don't. We we've never really seen anyone else from the Earth Alliance to know whether or not the tolerance is the norm or the exception. Until I see evidence otherwise, I'm going to think that the people on Babylon 5 are the exception. They're the tolerant people until I see something different. You're a show me guy. As As somebody living in Missouri, I can get it. Jesse, you look like you're in pain when you're listening to Justin talk. Please. I just, I can't with the Ivanova. Like I, I'm, it, we all have our things. Okay, it's it's Ivanova. I anyway, not not the point. So, um, it's giving me very much like white nationalist alt left or alt right. Um, I won't seek any specific groups because they don't deserve that time or attention. But it was giving me very much current political climate type stuff, and that's why I kind of mentioned it earlier. It's still just as uncomfortable to watch it on TV in the 90s as it is in 2020. Um, and it's it's hard to watch because it would be fine if we were watching it on TV. It was like, oh, those poor unfor- unfortunate folks that have to go through stuff like that. But we watch that stuff on the news every single day. And it's, it's, hard, it's hard to watch. It's not entertaining. And it's, you know, it's uncomfortable then and it's uncomfortable now, I guess. So it's giving me very much current climate vibes. All we need is for the home guard to show up with tiki torches and buttoned down shirts and we'd be all set, right? Emily, what do you got? So in the first episode, not the gathering, but the actual episode. Midnight on the firing line. Yeah, I think it was the president who said Earth Alliance isn't the galaxy's policeman, which I feel like that's likely going to come up. And that might be some of the struggle is trying to figure out their place within the universe now. 
that it's expanded. And I thought the scene with Kosh where Sinclair comes in and Kosh is watching that screen was interesting because most of it looked like images from collapsed empires. So I was trying to figure out if that was like foreshadowing to the Earth Alliance collapsing, if Kosh is studying Earth here to understand how things collapse, um, if that might be why the Vorlon aren't really doing much right now. They're kind of sitting back waiting, but... Yeah, the I'm still not convinced of the Earth Alliance because something about it still seems pretty questionable. And I just, I don't know if that's because there's still a lot of underlying xenophobia going on or if they really just are trying to get their footing and find their place within the system. The one thing I would say that all that is completely correct, and I, I love the reference to Midnight on the firing line, that was actually not the president, though, that was a senator. We have okay. not seen or heard from Santiago. That was a senator. Same idea, though. John, what do you got? Well, let's take a little detour real quick to have a conversation that I don't know if you're ready for, but can we just admit that Garibaldi is bad at his job? As the uh, head of security, uh, people are getting attacked left and right. This is a ship that's supposed to have no weapons. Every week, there's multiple weapons. Everybody has a weapon. My man knows about a coffee plant, but nothing else. This is his interrogation techniques were a little questionable slash corny as hell. Um, so I'm just, I just want to throw that out there. Let's just call spade a spade. Garibaldi sucks. Let's set it. No, they have shadow suits, though. He couldn't, nobody could see them. Listen, don't try to jump to his defense, okay? Again, my man has a proven track record of piss-poor security. He can't even keep the captain out of just jumping into the shit every time. The captain's like, what? Half an ounce of trouble? I'm in. Let's do it. Play an undercover racist? I'm in. Let's do it. You know, you, you keep saying everyone has a gun, and I made the wrong mis- I made the mistake, and somebody called me out on online where I said that was a line from Tombstone. It's actually a line from Maverick, which is also an amazing Western. Everyone's got a gun! <laughs> Mike? Well, the first thing I wanted to say was a direct follow-up to what you were talking about. The small, you know, it's like the small, super vocal minority is the one that ends up having this kind of loud, drowning-out voice. And I actually think, you know, Garibaldi puts a light on that directly in a scene when Sinclair, you know, is giving him orders need to go get to the bottom of this and do it right now. Uh, you know, Garibaldi turns around and he says, well, it's going to be tough because there are too many people that agree with them and even more that just don't give a damn. That's and key. I think that's really the, the key. I don't think that there necessarily is an overwhelming majority of people who are, we'll say in Babylon five universe xenophobic, but there are a lot of apathetic people who are, more concerned with what's going on in their lives and less concerned about standing up to it. And so you end up kind of in this situation. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I want to say they didn't talk a lot about the presidential election, but my understanding, but what I'm rec- recollecting was that the current president was more alien friendly versus the guy that he was running against. Yeah, he was running against a woman. I forgot her name, but yes, he was and- the pro, I wouldn't say open borders, but definitely pro openness. And he was also a supporter of the Babylon project. Same idea, getting people yes. together and talking. And, mm-hmm. and I think it makes kind of good sense to to say that the Babylon project, the whole point of it is to try to bring peace between humans and aliens. That goes pretty much in the face of what a bunch of xenophobes would want, you know, where they want to go out and actively crush all of the other aliens and put Earth first. They don't want peace. They want dominance. So I I think it's probably safe to say that at least, you know, Babylon's a big station with a lot of people, but I think at least the core people in charge of the station, the core people responsible for its 
creation are not the same as the home guard people, not the same as the ones popping out of the shadows attacking alien. That said, the aliens, the, the, the home guard guys on Babylon 5 did straight up say, like, we've got prototype cloaking technology suits that we got from friends in the military or the research complex. Uh, and I think that should be pretty much a red a red flag that there's stuff going on at, at, at home. You know, maybe it's not the current government who's responsible for it, but there are obviously people in powerful positions that are that are anti-alien and i thought it was also really telling when this guy uh, malcolm was giving his big pitch that oh you're gonna we're gonna simultaneously take out all of the ambassadors on b5 and at the same time they're gonna take out all these aliens back home that's um to me kind of speaks to the fact that this movement isn't small and they're very well equipped. As you just said, too, I mean, Malcolm was not surprised to find out that the leader of Babylon 5 may actually be on his side. So he's definitely found other people like that, for sure. And, you know, I mean, just and we're, we record these episodes a few weeks before they air. Just yesterday, uh, uh, a guy pulled up to the United States Capitol, ran his car into a barricade and started firing shots before killing himself. There are a lot of folks out there who feel like this is a good idea whatever i mean it's not about aliens you get the idea i don't know about anybody else but uh uh, as a recovering politician i i've received death threats and it is just freaking crazy that people go that far but people go that far and i completely agree with you mike and garibaldi a lot of times it is because we don't speak up and we let them go that far emily what do you got one of the attacks was on is her name mayan is that how it's pronounced i believe so um so she was attacked and they put a brand like a brand on her forehead and i was confused by that because it looked like a combination of the male and female symbols so i've been wondering if that was a political statement not just about her not being human but about her perceived or real sexuality um like her and delin seemed very close but it's one of those things where that could just be the relationship of friends you know for the minbari or it could have been something more it felt like a very 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 intimate personal relationship and i was wondering if there was also you know the additional undertones of not liking aliens and not liking aliens who might not fit in human categories of being straight and heterosexual. That's a good, that's a good argument and point. And I, I don't know the answer to that. And I was looking through Usenet for this episode. I don't think it ever came up because I think back in 93, 94, it probably wasn't something that was discussed as widely as now. I read it as just the symbols for, uh, male and female put together to be the human symbol but you know art is based on the uh the viewer so yeah Yeah, it certainly doesn't seem like it would be a stretch to assume that that's also part of their agenda but i think i think it was more so what what is the symbol for (laughs) human? yeah they couldn't just go with an earth they had to go with something different Mike, you had something you wanted to add. And I skipped oh, over I, yeah, I was just going to say, as far as speculating about you know, the return of, of Kosh and what he was, it's not, I don't know, getting the spoilers. Um, don't I, do I, that. I, I generally think he was he was watching, uh, you know, the Earth's greatest hits on his floating television. And uh, I, I kind of read that whole scene as he's, Forlons think they're better than everyone else. 
and he is trying to decide. He's already given up on the Centauri and the Narn. I think he's trying to decide whether to just give up on Earth, too. That's a good point. <laughs> that was kind of how I read that scene. Case in point, he got tired of talking to Sinclair and just flipped his light switch off, or, or he's narcoleptic, one of the two. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the other thing I got from that scene, and we just mentioned a couple of us said Strange New Worlds is a great uh, Star Trek show, great TV show. They use the same thing in one of uh, the early episodes of the, uh, I think it's episode two. One. No, it's episode one. You're right. Yeah. The pilot episode. They show Earth's greatest hits, which includes riding from January 6th. Um, so I, I had a little flashback, flash slash forward, ba- forward flash, whatever. <laughs> Strange yeah. new worlds at that hey, point. Hey, we're watching what's happening on your planet right now. Here's, here's our uh, bloopers reel to show you the time we almost destroyed ourselves. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I always go back to contact on that too. Uh, the first radio signals to leave the earth are Hitler speaking at the Olympics. Now, context is king, but if aliens are going to hear about us, the first time they're going to hear about us is going to be Hitler. Enjoy. We can jump into the uh, Ivanova hate if you want. Or John, jump into the Ivanova hate. <laughs> well, so uh, I guess she was, I don't know if you call it the A storyline or the B storyline, but yet again, she proved just how big she sucks. And I have to point it out. Um, so they try to throw some X to give her a, a more well-rounded kind of character. And, oh, she can be romantic. And she put on different clothes. They're not all just work clothes. She let her hair down. Um, but, uh, again, I wasn't buying it. There was no chemistry there. And uh, to, to kind of put an exclamation point on why she sucks, um, her ex was, I don't know, Junior Hitler. So I don't know if she's a great judge of character. Um, yeah, but he had a baller sweater. <laughs> like, that was the most I can't believe thing. B5 wasn't just flooded with pussy. Black <laughs> game on point, feathered hair on point. My man had things going for him. However, a human like, one of them. Mike, if I ever not hear flooded with pussy from your mouth again, I'll be okay with that. My God. Jesse? First of all, Keneally, we are not going to hold the things that our exes have done and are against us. Absolutely not. That is not a, a cross I'm going to ever bear. Um, but let me tell you, again, I'm saying I'm seeing the similarities because I I hate it. I hate that that I'm here, but she gave it to him the whole freaking episode. She didn't take his shit. She was like, no, we're not doing this. Um, you know, and when he said, oh, I'm going to, you know, start working here. And she was like, I mean, I didn't do this shit. I don't know what you're talking about. And then the last thing she said before they picked him up was make sure I'm there when you do it. So she didn't, she didn't play with him at all. She didn't like play into it. There was no chemistry because she didn't want anything to do with him. Um, I can't believe I'm defending her right now. Marissa, I, are you coming around to Ivanova right I now? I don't think so. Listen, I, it makes Ivanova? me uncomfortable. It feels weird, and I'm not there yet. But well, like um, Ivanova she did not play into that take stuff. It slow. Let's take it slow. <laughs> right, right. Like here, I hated Malcolm, by the way. But let, let me tell you, you cannot say, "Oh, she's a terrible person" because her ex was terrible. Because Keneally, if we held you. Up against all your exes, I don't think it's gonna go well for you, sir. Shade thrown. First of all, how dare you besmirch my good name, ma'am? Uh, second of all, um, listen, I'm not gonna just pretend like I also didn't see her making out with them in her quarters. Like, yeah, to your point about her, like, oh no, she was hard and she did this, she did. 
please. She was like, oh, what's up? And he was like, oh, well, check it out. I'm going to set up shop here. Let's get back together. And then immediately she was like, check out this dress I got. I put my hair down. Let's make out a little bit. It was only a phone call that she was like, you know what? You got to go. Who hasn't made a terrible mistake with one of their exes before? Let's not this. You're acting like you're St. Keneally here. And you know what? To the viewers, you may be, but um, no, sir. (laughs) Again, as was said in this episode, what does love have to do with marriage? (laughs) Mike? Oh, I think Justin wants to speak. (laughs) Justin? Okay, so being the expert on starter marriages, let me start out here. Uh, The fact that Londo names his wives after Horses of the Apocalypse, I thought was freaking fantastic. Because honestly, I have named my ex-wife the Horse of Death. Yeah, it reminded me of your ex, for sure. <laughs> yeah. I can relate to what a lot about Londo says in terms of that, but I really kind of, the whole the whole thing where he eventually comes around and, you know, my shoes are too tight and I have forgotten how to dance um, is a really kind of a cool way to admit that I have forgotten how to love and I forgot what love is like for him to realize that for this young couple, I thought was actually kind of a really cool character, uh, character development. And you, you mentioned, uh, famine, death, and pestilence. We've had some veer hate on this group, which I do not, uh, agree to at all, but Stephen first little look he gives to the pictures of the wives after Londo leaves the room is priceless. That's just the acting that I love from my good buddy Flounder. Mike? Yeah, well, that's a good segue now because I was going to mention it. I, I'm surprised no one has jumped in to talk about Veer yet in this episode. Because, you mean Ambassador Koto? Yeah. Uh, Veer suddenly went from being this doofy little adolescent kid, like, why is why is he here on Babylon 5? How did he get this job? To, uh, like, he grows a backbone. And uh, first he bends the rules to try to help his cuz out and get him over to B5 under false pretenses. And then secondly, like, he stands up to Londo directly. And and uh, that was uh, very, very cool. Andrew, you're up. Yeah, uh, so uh, I have in my notes, I swear if this isn't the episode where Jesse and John change their minds on Ivanova. <laughs> So, a little disappointed in that. You got me, Andrew. I'm getting there. John is just—he's a hateful person. We're never going to get Keneally on that on that train, but or off the train because he's on the on the hate train. But you got me. I'll, it, I'll give it to you. It's taken me about 19 years to get Jesse not to hate me. So it's a work in progress. Nicole, what do you got? He's not on the hate train. John's the conductor. Right? Oh, yeah, he's <laughs> John's got train. the little the little blue and white hat and Choo-choo. the overalls. <laughs> Um, just a couple funny things I wanted to point out. Y'all give me a hard time about the shady count, okay? Which, by the way, I knew Malcolm was shady the minute he came on the screen. Well, look at the hair and the the, yes. and the sweater. But what about Justin and the mispronunciation count? Can we get that going? Because <laughs> you want to give me a hard time, we're gonna have a hard time too. Um, but uh, the honestly, other- roll roll a counter. <laughs> I'll be perfectly happy to roll a counter. So I mean, with that because okay, that let is- me tell you, let me tell you a little story. <laughs> I wasn't gonna bring this up, but since everyone is already on the Justin train, we'll 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 bring it into the station. On our Facebook page, we got a message from somebody randomly and said, "Hey." Can I talk to one of the producers? I don't want to upset the talent. So it I was about them. me. 
So I messaged I knew him. it. I messaged him and I said, "Hey, um, we're not talent, but what do you got?" And he said, "I'm I'm I'm liking the show, but if that guy cannot start pronouncing Ivanova's name right, I just can't do it anymore." <laughs> And I actually told him, I was like, well, we're working on him. It's a work in progress. Ivanova. But you have gotten the first bit of, I won't say hate mail. I'll say constructive criticism was directed at you, Justin. I knew it. I knew it. Okay. It's okay, sir. So, it drives me nuts, too. I Ivanova. Every time he says Ivanova, it makes me want to punch through my screen. <laughs> well, there's at least one person on Facebook that agrees. <laughs> Nicole, you had more to say. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. Um I just want to say we are talent, baby. Get your mind right, Scott. Um, but no, the other thing I also wanted to comment was Vera grew a pair. I was like, where did that come from? Like he went from doofus gallants like over here to like, hey, what's up, Londo? Let me tell you all about it. And he like totally grew a pair. I was like, damn, okay. Was not expecting that. But I got to say, it made me like his character a little bit more because I was not too fond of him i thought he was oh look at me i'm here you know like that's kind of what he reminded me of you know what i mean and like he kind of cemented himself as like hey i'm not just something to laugh at i'm not just a jester or gesture whatever you know that word jester uh i actually have a backbone and i'm gonna tell you about it so i feel like he kind of cemented himself and i actually like him a lot better now Honestly, I've always liked him because it's it's essentially the same character he played in Animal House. So I've always liked him. Kevin, go ahead. One wonders why Londo just doesn't go out there and get a fourth wife, and then he can at least have the entire set. That would be fun. Um, <laughs> I I really I really enjoy the the Londo stuff. Like I said before in this episode, especially with it it ending on because it it was pretty clear early on that he wasn't interested in in uh, you know, really doing anything that would jeopardize uh, his standing. Um, but he finds a way within Centauri culture to to fix the entire problem and still be able to not be a jerk about it. So, but yes, uh, Veer, Veer in this episode became a more of a, uh, uh, a 360 character instead of just a very, you know, kind of hollow bumbling guy. And it is a very, it's a very good turn and it, it, it doesn't go back. <laughs> it, it that grows a little bit but uh you'll be interested to know that the name of his wives are timov daguerre and mariel and they, you will see them later it's a little bit of a spoiler but not too much you will see them later and the babylon first guys are going to yell at you they always yell at me when i spoil anything i don't later. care <laughs> uh, i'm going to go to john and then nicole and then we're going to wrap this thing up so john yeah, since talking about Londo, there was uh, Londo and Jakar. There was Mike mentioned it a little bit earlier too. There was like a, it was a weird change, or there was almost like a bipolar nature to some of their actions. So, look for as much hate as I have for Ivanova, I have an equal amount of love for Londo. And again, the wives thing, hilarious, crushing it, love it. Um, but the 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 monologue and the shoe story stuff, I just didn't really grab me. And um, you know his. His change, you know, like Mike alluded to, right? When we were born to the purple, it was like, oh, let's be with who you love. And I love this dancer and we should be together and blah, blah, blah. And then in this one, it was like, oh, um, you know, do you have to stay within this traditional uh, marriage structure? 
And then Jakar, so as he was forming his little Korg-like revolution uh, against the humans and inciting his riot, I thought, man, that was so odd compared to last week's episode where he was real generous and he helped out with the captain's lady. It was real like, you know, his whole thing from the last week was about, you know, not everyone's who they see. It just, there were a couple of character turns that I thought just seemed kind of clunky and, and weren't really lining up. Um, so I wanted to, to point those two and then real quick to just, again, I'll, I'll throw some more hate on the captain. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what his problem is or, or why he's, he's quickly climbing up my charts uh, and rivaling, uh, Ivanova in terms of my hate. Cause every, everything he does, I just, it, it irks the shit out of me. Um, again, as I mentioned earlier, if there's any sign of a problem, he's like, how quick can I jump in there? How, how involved can I make myself? Um, his, Acting, if you will, pretending to be one of the hateful people just had me cracking up. It was so funny. It was so cheesy. That poor fish it, lady, man. I was going to say, does anybody else want to know whether he went and apologized to Seahorse Lady? <laughs> or Dylan? I mean, any of it. So I'm like, hey, man, you, you know, hopefully you're going to let people know because now you've put on this this whole act. You've done all this stuff and you know, you're interacting with these people. Um, are they going to know the plan or are they just going to think you're an asshole? Because... Uh, but kind of what I'm getting. And then the last part I'll say, uh, cause it made me laugh so hard. The action, and I, I know it's the nineties, but the action sequences on this show are sometimes so corny. Yeah. So bad. When he threw that punch and took that gun and it was like, let's just duck. I just, I would literally was laughing out loud. It was, it might've been the best part of the show. Cause it was so funny. The, we'll, we'll see more of Drazi, uh, as we go through the show and the little fight with the Drazi. Um, which are the alien and, you know, the generic aliens that was cut almost like a born movie, which is not a good thing. Well, they, they did the classic, Oh, here's the villain. I would do like a bond thing where the villain's going to explain the plot. And here's, here comes my, you know, five minutes of exposition about all the bad shit I'm going to do so that you know what to stop. And I was, I was just, it was cracking me up. But John, to your point about Londo, I, I actually agree with you. I do like Londo's quote and I think it fits Londo well, but I think we're almost missing a scene to get us to that turn. It He turns very quickly. Uh, the other thing I will say is uh, you mentioned it and Mike mentioned it too, that this kind of goes against what we've learned from about him in Born in the Purple. I did look back production order wise, because remember season one is kind of aired a little bit goofy uh, based on production order. This one actually was filmed after Born in the Purple. So I have no excuse for you there. However, you're talking about Jakar and how he uh, had a little turn in Mind War last week. This is production order number seven. Uh, Mind War is production order number 10. So at this point in the writing of the show and the production of the show, Jakar hasn't made his turn yet. So if this was aired in order of production, I don't think you would have seen that as an issue. But the Londo one, I think, still holds as a as an issue. I, I do. Nicole. So um, speaking of Londo, I think um, two of the quotes I wrote down for the show which pertain to the Londo story was when Mayan was Mayan. Is that how you say it? Um, yeah. She was to um, Londo about let her near him while he was in the coma. And she had said... Um, all beings are defined by the capacity and need for love, no matter what you are, human, alien, whatever. I thought that was a really profound comment. And I feel like that's kind of maybe what made him start thinking about the shift. And then uh, at the end, when the kids asked him, why are you doing this? And he said, because your children and children should be able to dance. I was like, oh, that was really sweet, too. So those are two of my favorite lines of the whole show. And they were both kind of that storyline. So, um, you know, I feel like maybe for me, I interpret it as maybe Mayan made some 
made some headway with him or maybe like what she was saying made him think. And then, you know, maybe that's why he made the turn. Um, but again, I do feel like maybe we could have had maybe another scene or something was missing, but I do, those were two of my favorite lines, of the whole show. And they were both in that kind of storyline and that change. That's a good point. And, um, I'm no longer young, but I will still dance with McKellar. Kevin, I will call on you, even though I said I was going to wrap it up after Nicole. Kevin, what do you got? I, I have to disagree. I really don't think it's out of place at all. I mean, he's he's intensely self-interested. And I think, you know, if they had really gotten into it much more and Born of the Purple, I think he probably would have risked his rank and, and status and title for for Adira, but in this, you know, it's for somebody else. I don't think he was particularly interested in doing that. I, I, and I think he's probably even a little bit jaded after that, that situation, which is why Mayan's comment about, um, you know, she, or well, he's talking about, um, Danica McKellar's character and he says, and she'll learn to live without love. And Mayan says like you have, and that's a really profound to me. I think it's a very insightful into his character that uh, I think even after the Adira thing, he's much more jaded than he had been. Okay. I, I'll stand corrected. You guys have, you guys have shown me the wrong in my ways. Let's go ahead and move into our questions and predictions for those who are just joining us. Our newbies who have not watched past this episode are going to give us any questions they have lingering after what they've seen. And then also any predictions they may have uh, about what's to come. So let's go to Nicole first questions and predictions. So questions are um, when those jerk squad get sent back to earth and they get imprisoned and all that um do we ever find out like if somebody is in the home guard that's in the earth alliance that's giving equipment and stuff um yes home guard jerk wads, yes um so how are they getting these shadow suits and these things like who is his home guard infiltrated you know um the earth alliance i guess would be my question and then the other question was um kind of i forgot who would hit on it but like does Sinclair apologize? Like, do people know he's not a hater? Like, you know, what's going to happen there? Um, and then uh, I guess another question is, is there a correlation with um, Dr. Uh, Kyle and Lita getting transferred to Earth after seeing and scanning Kosh? Like the whole Kosh scanning Earth and like, is that going to be, you know, is that going to be something that we see down the road? And then I guess prediction wise, I just obviously we're probably not going to see this home girl. Um, it's probably going to continue. Um, and we're going to see more issues with this throughout uh, the, the show coming up is what I... Justin. Honestly, Nicole hit a lot of my questions on the head. Um, so, like, she definitely talked about a lot of, the, like, the ongoing questions that I had going through this episode. But honestly, like, I want to know what is more with the Home Guard. Like, who are they? How far do they reach? Does it go all the way to the top of the presidency? There's things that suggest that you know, the president is pro-alien, but then many of the machinations of the government behind the scenes may be anti-alien. That's kind of the stuff that I'm going to be look- looking for going forward. Cool. Jesse? I don't have any questions. I'm just, just struggling to make it through with even the information being given to me, let alone questions about it. Uh, predictions. One of us is going to fight a Facebook fan before this is all over. Um, not sure when, but I'm sure it's going to happen. Um, and it's probably going to be me. So, And if you want to fight Jesse, the Facebook link is in the show notes. Yes, please do. I always am up for a good fight any time of the day. <laughs> Jesse, 
I, I've said this a couple of times. There is a point in this season where uh, I think JMS puts his foot on the gas. And I think we're um, uh, next week should be interesting to see where you are. We'll just put it that way. You've, you've been saying that for, I know, but now we're actually, now. we're actually nearly there. So Emily, you're up. Okay. So um, one of my questions is I still want to know more about the Vorlon. What is up with them? Like, do they need those suits? Are they hiding something? What are they doing? And why are they not involved in much? Um, how long until we figure out why Dylan is on Babylon 5? Since she talked about making choices, when do we get to know what those choices are and why she's not on the council? And um, what happens to the Earth Alliance? Because it feels very shaky at this point. Okay. Uh, John? Uh, so I have two questions, one of which I'm almost positive the show won't answer, um, which uh, Mike kind of talked about. And I was uh, kind of mentioning, you know, Malcolm talked about setting up shop and opening some sort of business on Babylon 5. I can't imagine it was literally a, a hate shop. So he had to have something else. So I'm curious what that was and that, you know, they kind of just never mentioned it and, and threw it away. So, I mean, I don't know if you can answer that right now. I don't know if he's coming back, but I would have been interested to know what his line of work was. And then the other question I have uh, is about the Centauri dude's hair. So is the size a product of age or status? Or product. <laughs> like, so, you know, the, the little, the younger guy, right? His hair was different than Veers and Veers is different than Londo's. And so I know previously I'd asked a question about it and I know you had alluded to something about like, oh yes, it's maybe it's not hair or it's, it's, there was something about it. That's definitely not just, random there's something there but so i'd be interested to know um the actual size of the hair the the whatever if, if that means anything well remember what garibaldi said when the earth uh folks found the centauri for the first time the centauri claimed that we were uh, uh a colony offshoot and we were really centauri and then we found out our dna don't match at all so the centauri are alien and we'll leave it at that until i kick you all out then we'll talk about it Great. Uh, as always, Scott, thank you very much. I don't hate you're, you. You're so welcome. I, I'm so happy and that then, I can be this part of your life. I'm glad. My prediction, uh, which doesn't seem to be even worth mentioning almost, is that Earth are the bad guys. It's the Earth Alliance. They're the bad guys. And it's not surprising or shocking. And uh, yeah, but they're, they're the bad guys for sure. Oh, and just for fun, butthole. Thanks. Just to add to the counter. Andrew, you're up. Um, I don't really have any questions or predictions this week. So, yeah, that's that's my two cents. Thanks. <laughs> Andrew, nada. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. We're going to kick our newbies off, and we're going to talk about all of their questions that they brought up. And uh, for those of you who do not want to be spoiled, leave after the credits. And for those who want to be spoiled or have already watched the show, go ahead and stick with us after the credits and we'll continue on. So until next week, when we tap our foot on the gas with a sky full of stars, I'm Scott. And with me as always is. I'm Justin. I'm Jesse. I'm Emily. This is the fakest shit I ever heard. That was some retail laugh shit right there. I'm talking <laughs> <happy> today. <laughs> I'm John. I'm Mike. Andrew. Nicole. And Kevin. And we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to Gray 17, a Babylon 5 podcast. You can find all the places to listen to this podcast and links to our social media accounts at anchor.fm slash gray17podcast. We want to hear from you, so please join the discussion on Facebook and Twitter. 
Be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Gray 17 is a part of the Front Row Network and NPR Illinois Community Voices. You can find all the Front Row shows at thefrontrownetwork.com. Gray 17 is not affiliated with, and this podcast has not been prepared, approved, or licensed by Warner Brothers or any other owners of the Babylon 5 copyright. All audio clips included in this podcast are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review, and no infringement is intended. The opening and closing Babylon 5 themes are available from Falling Matter on YouTube. And what's out there? The rim. And beyond that? The truth. Welcome back, everybody. Again, one final warning. If you have not watched farther than The War Prayer, or if you just don't want to get spoiled in general, leave now. If not, we're going to answer all of the questions and predictions we got from our newbies. Let's dive into the main cusp of the episode, which is the Home Guard guy. So, as Nicole said, the Home Guard jerkwads, where are they going? Um, and just off the top, we do not see Malcolm again, so I guess he gets shuffled off somewhere. Siberia, I guess. But the other piece that I want you guys to talk about is how far does Home Guard go? Because, as we know, Justin already believes that Everyone at Earth Alliance is home guard, but where does it really go? Yeah, well, they mentioned right in the episode, and nobody pointed it out, but, I mean, they referenced that there have been attacks, obviously, on Babylon 5, on Earth, on Mars. Mm-hmm. Um, they straight up say that they got this high technology from from friends, which we have to believe is someone high up in, in military-industrial complex, if not Earth Defense Force itself. Um, and we kind of – I'm surprised nobody pointed this out, but the whole – personal cloaking device was referenced in the gathering yes as kind of a special big deal right that was easy to track because of how much energy it consumed and therefore how dangerous it was if it exploded and and now we've got uh four guys with these suits running around babylon 5 and they were untraceable so it uh you know goes to i guess would just go to kind of say pretty high-tech stuff it's pretty special equipment that these guys have uh, at their disposal and you know they were very coordinated right they're they're not taken out well they start off by taking out some individuals in the alley although we we know that mayan is kind of a important uh, cultural figure to the mimbari so it's certainly plausible earth yeah certainly plausible to believe that attacking her wasn't random uh, and it's probably plausible to believe that attacking the other younger Centauri couple wasn't uh, random either, if if it was perceived that they had connections to Londo. Um, so with that said, uh, you know, I think the answer to his question is kind of obvious in the episode that they are very, Home Guard is very far reaching. And then we find out before too long, Home Guard is essentially going to overthrow the government. To the vice presidency at this point. Yep. So, I mean, we don't know that. Vice President Clark is the one giving him the tech, but he's definitely involved because uh, we know that he is going to take out Santiago. I'm interested to see what Justin has to say when the person he thinks already is kind of in the middle of this gets offed in order to <laughs> get him out of the way. All good points there. Is there anything else you guys want to hit on with Home Guard? I think we did most of the discussion with the newbies in terms of the correlations and everything. Obviously, the key thing here is, as Nicole said, the Home Guard's not going away. And this is going to be the the major focus moving forward. I mean, obviously, we have the Shadows, which, by the way, 
I did love the fact that um, Nicole started calling these guys the shadow guys. Uh, shadow I tried, <laughs> yeah, I tried shadow not suits. to smile because uh, <laughs> the shadows are probably already on the station. We just don't know about it yet. Obviously, we have the shadow war coming, but I think the more important part of season four is taking back of Earth and that fight. So this is going to be a huge part of what we're going to be seeing. Does Sinclair apologize? Hell no, he's Sinclair. He don't apologize to anybody, not even fish women. Except I'm sure he probably does. Yeah. Although after our interview with uh, Tom Booker, which we will air uh, when we get to Grail, um, Michael O'Hare may not be very nice to some people. <laughs> so is there more to uh, happen with Kyle and Lita? Well, obviously, uh, Dr. Kyle is re- uh, mentioned again saying he gets sent back to Earth. Lita got sent away. They didn't say where. Now, Kyle is gone. We won't see him again. But. Lita's coming back after she's been augmented by the Vorlons, which I think leads into our next conversation, which is the Vorlons and what Kosh is up to. And Mike, you kind of alluded to this a little bit in the conversation with the newbies, but anything you guys want to hit on with Kosh? I don't, I don't, don't everyone so. talk at once. I mean, I wasn't really trying to spoil anything. Uh, it really was just an observational guess at that. Point. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't, he is, he is there. <laughs> Weighing humanity. I, I completely right. I, I think you're completely right on that. Emily had some great points in the, the uh, newbie chat about that, and I was trying not to react to what she was saying, but her she picked up on you know the fact that it's uh, some of those images are Fall of Empire. Uh, type images and I, I thought that was really cool that she was picking up on some of that stuff at this point with so little information about the Vorlons. Yeah, and we know we know that the Vorlons are very much using the humans, Mimbari, Centauri, everybody is they've kind of seeded up. But I do like that we're already getting references to Kosh being potentially a little different. And that he is, I, I agree with you, is weighing humanity to see where he wants to go. And after a bit, and more so with Sheridan than Sinclair, he will start being actively engaged in what's going on. And that's going to not go over well with the Vorlons, to where obviously Kosh is going to finally intercede enough to where the shadows will murder him. And when we get new Kosh, he's not exactly friendly to the humans. So I think the Vorlons themselves... And what Kosh is doing are doing are two different things, which I, I'm I'm loving that we're seeing this all the way back here in this early episode, because Kosh's relationship, personal relationship with humans, is going to be a guiding force as we move forward in this show. I, Emily asked, "How much longer do we find out what Delin's intentions are?" Next week. Yeah, <laughs> not all the way. But Sky Full of Stars is going to tell us that not only is Delenn a high-ranking individual, she was on the warship that Sinclair tried to ram, and she was there when they took Sinclair's memory away. Not that she was even made aware of it, but she was there. So I'm looking forward to what Emily has to say next week for that. John asks if the Centauri hair is really hair. And um, yeah, but they have like seven dicks, so... Lee, the goddess of passion. Um, I will say with the, it, it, it does become a story point later on with the hair in the culture of Centauri, especially when the new emperor, emperor douchebag, I call him, decides to cut his hair to make a new fashion statement. So it comes up. Cartagia. Oh God. Emperor douchebag. Ambassador Kodo takes Cartagia out, which that's the other thing too I wanted to bring up. And it's a, again, I love that these characterizations are coming through so early. So whenever I see um, uh, Veer basically get his uh, his family member onto the station through a lie, I think forward 
to when Veer becomes on paper Abrahamo Lincoln yeah. Yeah. and starts Not- sneaking Narn onto the station. Not the first time he pulls the false identity card. I and- know. And it's, <laughs> you know, I, I didn't, I, I, I don't know if I've noticed it before, but in this rewatch, I was like, yeah, he did it already. He, he's mm-hmm. learning. He's going to do it again. I, uh, I think it's all of it. Yeah. Guys, I mean, anything else? I just want to ask you if you, uh, if you've hopped on Ally Express and bought that giant ass, uh, Agamemnon Earth Force Battle Cruiser Lego set. No, send it to me now. Stand by. <laughs> is, how expensive is it? Uh, I mean, it's not real Legos, so it's not that expensive. But it's expensive. It's probably still pretty expensive. By the way, the e- the eBay action figure I was getting was a, a Sheridan action figure, That's which also I, comes uh, in a little yes. Babylon 5. I never knew that they had any kind of merch yeah, for this. Well, show, I put the so uh, link to the Londo one yeah. in the chat. Oh, That's, did you? Yeah. It, they should not be allowed to do that. No, I mean, it was have a reserve. Bullshit. I already paid it too. And then of course I got my money refunded. So it wasn't, yeah, but it, I know exactly why he did it because if you go look, it was the cheapest one on there yeah. and he realized it didn't go for what he wanted. So he pulled it back. Yeah. It's super dirty. Unfortunately. I want my Sheridan toy. Damn it. eBay is such a shit show as far as accountability. So is Amazon truth, but what, what social media or internet, internet thing isn't these days. Truth. Yeah. All right. Well, folks, uh, we'll go ahead and write it up there and then we will come back next week. And I'm sure we're going to have more to talk about when it comes to a sky full of stars. So until next week, when we talk about the battle of the line, I'm Scott and with me has been Kevin and Mike, and we will see you uh, next week. Be sure to check out our social media so you can fight Jesse uh, on Facebook and or Twitter. And then also make sure you can subscribe to us in the show notes below. Thanks, everybody. And we'll see you next week. These are my three wives. Pestilence, famine, and death. Love? What does love have to do with marriage?